0: This is episode 15 of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore Events Podcast. In this episode, we're going back to the 2005 Annual Enrichment Conference. Together in His presence, a covenant community experience, hope has an identity. This is session one with Mark Hafner. Well, I just want to thank Doug. Uh, We're going to be spending quite a bit of time this evening in worship together. We're going to bring him back as... Uh, we just want to backload our evening with lots of worship tonight, um, but we want to begin this evening by just making sure that uh, we have oriented ourselves uh, towards our God and why it is that we're here together as an association of churches. Uh, it's really been my privilege this last year to uh, to serve you as a as a body of churches through our staff and through our trustee board, and uh, we look forward to uh, what God has for us here at these meetings. Uh as Luke said, uh there's kind of an elephant in the room. Uh we are going to be making a, a major decision uh together as a constituency uh tomorrow morning. And uh, so we look forward to seeing what, what God has for us. But as we prepare tonight, we just want to make sure that, that we understand uh our orientation towards that decision and the implications of that decision, and then we kind of want to just set that off on the side. And uh, then we just want to go to God's Word, and we want to understand a few things about our God, and then we want to worship Him tonight. So that's kind of the outline tonight, okay? You all right with that? That's kind of what we're going to do tonight, and uh, are you okay with that? Yeah, Yeah, That would be better, all right. As I came up here, Luke just uh, said to me, he said, Mark, just remember, these are your friends. and, And I've... Stopped to think about that. Um, I never thought of it otherwise. So now I was uh, just a little nervous about that as well. But uh, anyway, a couple of things that we have to call your attention to. Um, first thing that's really really important is that you take a look at the identity document tonight before we get to our our business meeting tomorrow. We're under the assumption that all of you have looked at it uh, pretty carefully. But if you haven't, uh, you need to look at that before our meeting tomorrow and uh, you need to try to understand what's in there um, so that you're ready in your caucus meeting uh, to to ask the questions of procedure that that you may not understand the other thing that's really important is is that you understand that that we're gonna have a ballot vote tomorrow and we just want to put in front of you the motion that's going to be made by the trustees we want you to understand what the motion is so that that nobody's caught off guard as to what it is that the the trustees are going to move in that uh in that business meeting what they're going to say is this we the trustees of CB Northwest move to adopt the final draft of the identity document provisionally for one year the identity document will be presented for ratification at the 2006 annual business meeting okay now i want to read that again Just so that uh, you understand what it is that uh, is going to be moved tomorrow by way of a motion from our trustees. We, the trustees of CB Northwest, move to adopt the final draft of the identity document provisionally for one year. The identity document will be presented for ratification at our 2006 annual business meeting and uh, so we just want you to understand that's the motion that's going to be made and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what do we mean when we talk about something that is provisionally adopted and uh, what does it mean to ratify a year from now and uh, so we're going to look at that in a little bit well so here we are Uh, there's kind of no turning back at this point no matter what happens in the next couple of days uh... we will never be the same this this organization this uh... association of churches will never be the same uh... since we have embarked on a journey uh... that uh, we've talked about five years ago if you remember five years ago when when i became your uh... general director uh, we talked about the fact that we were gonna ride hard or we were gonna stay in the barn All right, and uh... Uh, we never got back to the barn. Uh, I kind of wish we might have stayed in the barn some days. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we've gone forward. We have, we have really ridden hard. And it started five years ago on our knees. If you'll remember five years ago, we said, you know, God needs to meet with us. We don't know exactly what he wants to do with us, but we're going to ask him. And so we went and we spent four days in prayer at our first prayer summit up at Camp Tadmore. How many of you were a part of that first prayer summit uh, five years ago when we were up there at Camp Tadmore? Man, a number of you were there. And there we just asked God to show us His will, uh, to show us His way to do His will, His timing, and His resources. And so we've been walking down that road together for, for a long time as we have, have walked these five years together. Uh, we've now had five prayer summits together as pastors of the Association of Churches in the Northwest. Uh, this is our, our fifth annual meeting together as we have uh, uh, kept the theme, Together in His Presence. Because our goal is to, is to come underneath the mighty hand of our God. And to listen carefully to what it is that he would have for us. But leading a uh, association of conservative Baptist churches in the Northwest is not always easy. And uh, in fact, uh, kind of being in this role is like a commercial uh, that I saw for EDS. And see if you can relate to this commercial, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to run that commercial right now and, and see if this isn't kind of... A little bit like what it's like to be a part of the Conservative Baptist family. This man right here is my great grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats, don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle, holding together 10,000 half wild short hairs. Well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning right here and if you look at his face it's just ripped to shreds you know you see the movies you hear the stories it's i'm living a dream not everyone can do what we do i wouldn't do nothing else it ain't an easy job but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them ain't a feeling like it in the world DDS, managing the complexities of the digital economy. Well, there's a few things in that commercial that ring true. If you uh, think about some of the lines that are in the commercial toughest thing I've ever done. Amen to that. Uh, Leading in this role has definitely been the toughest thing I've ever done. Living a dream. I don't know about that one. Um, yeah, we'll just leave that one right where it's at. Not everyone can do it. Not anyone would want to do it, is kind of the, what we've recognized in our office. Uh, I wouldn't do anything else. I think the, the phrase to follow would be, try me, and we'll, we'll see if we can find anything else to do. It's not an easy job but when you bring a herd into town and haven't lost a one of them ain't a feeling like it in the world well if we hadn't lost any churches along the the way I I could have uh, um, maybe felt that (laughs) but uh, we have and uh, over these five years we've we've seen some churches that haven't made it but you know as we think about CB Northwest as we think about all of those things that um, that we're a part of as a fellowship of churches, those things that um, that we're about as we think of Great Commission, Great Commandment principles, and as we try to understand who we are through uh spending time on our face before God, whether it's leadership uh on a on a on an association level or whether it's the leadership in your church, we recognize that that there's some things that have guided us over these five years together. If you'll think back with me, as we began five years ago uh, trying to discern what is it that God wants to do with the churches of the Northwest, how does he want to move us, how does he want to lead us, Uh, what is it that we need to hear from him as we try to discern a direction that would cause us to move forward into the future and pass on to the next generation that which they could then build upon for the generations to come. As we began to, uh, to move forward, we realized that one of the, the great issues that we had to uh, begin to deal with, was just the whole issue of what does it mean to live out the Great Commission? What does it mean to be a people who were about seeing lost people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Uh, what did it mean for us to be a, a, a fellowship of churches who understood clearly what it meant to build up to root, establish, and plant people in the Word of God in such a way that they could reproduce themselves in the lives of others? What would it take for us to be a movement of churches that produced leadership in such a way that we had elders who reproduced elders and pastors who reproduced pastors? That we were such a people that we could actually look at our church and we could identify those in junior high and high school and in college who were going to be those next, uh, that next generation of leaders, and then pour into them in such a way that it would be our greatest joy to pass on to them all of the empowerment that we could possibly muster up for their success in the future as they served our churches. So we went hard after the philosophy of ministry in our local churches, trying to help churches understand that they must embrace the Great Commission, that they needed to be about winning lost people, building up believers, equipping workers, and multiplying shepherds so that we could go forward. But we also found that we needed to embrace the great commandment, that we needed to be a people who learned how to love God and learned how to love one another, that we needed to be a people who not only experienced God's love, but we needed to be a people who learned how to express God's love. We needed to be the kinds of churches that when they looked at us, they would say, my, how they love one another. That they would know we are Christians by our what? Not our doctrine. Even though doctrine is incredibly important. But that those who do not know Jesus Christ would be compelled to be in relationship with us because we loved one another. And so therefore we began to try to articulate the great need within our churches not only to be about the Great Commission but to be about the Great Commandment to experience and to express God's love one to another and to give Him the opportunity to flow through us into the communities in which we lived. as we began to go down that road we we discovered some things that that none of us anticipated the first thing that we discovered as we went down this road is that that we were a people conflicted in how to lead churches. In other words, we, we lost sight in many cases of who submits to whom, when and why. In other words, when do we exercise authority from role and when do we submit from our role? In other words, how do we govern our churches in such a way that it helps the church accomplish great things commission great commandment ministry as opposed to the way we govern our churches that keeps us from being successful and so therefore we began to embark upon helping churches address the polity issues that have over time eroded so many of our churches causing them to be unable to make the kinds of decisions that are necessary to walk by faith, to move forward under godly leadership. And so therefore we began to address polity issues. And so we found ourselves with the Great Commission issues, we found ourselves with Great Commandment issues, and then we found ourselves with with polity issues. And as we began to do that and deal with those issues, it became obvious to all of us that we were going to have to address the relational dysfunction that we find in so many of our churches and it really stems from living in a world that's full of relational dysfunction Amen. I have five children four of the children that are in my home are special needs kids they're adopted from the state of Oregon they are they are children who are in my home because of the sins of adults. In other words, there were moms and dads who did not take care of their responsibilities. And in doing so, in, in, in living out their own desires in ways that were detrimental to the health of their own children. The state of Oregon felt the need to take those children away. And therefore, my wife and I had the privilege of bringing some of those kids into our home. Brokenness. Broken families. Broken marriages. Broken children. Everywhere you and I turn in the culture in which we live, we see brokenness and we recognize that we live in a culture that needs to be redeemed redeemed by a savior who came to to heal the brokenness of our hearts and the brokenness of our culture and the brokenness of our community and so therefore we embarked upon a mission at CB Northwest it became the defining moment for us if you will we began to put all of our energy and all of our time into first helping churches understand the need to be the church, to take responsibility for the Great Commission, to take responsibility for the Great Commandment, to take responsibility for how they govern themselves and how they seek to fulfill the mandate that God has placed upon the church. And so therefore, as we moved into that arena, we began to to champion this call And that is that churches need to reproduce churches. That pastors need to reproduce pastors. That elders need to reproduce elders. Believers need to reproduce believers. And so therefore we began to put into place anything we could to try to help churches own that responsibility. As we think about that as kind of the defining focus of CB Northwest's office for these past few years, we realize that supporting churches who reproduce churches came through what we call Church Next. In other words, how do we help churches see the need to uh, identify not only those who could shepherd the next generation of churches, but empower them so that they could go forward and begin to plant those churches. We also began to try to support elders by creating what we called relational elders retreats and, and relational elders conferences, trying to help elders understand the role of what does it mean to be a leader, a godly leader in the church, and what does that look like, and to, to help churches address the issues that come as we try to develop leadership. We also try to uh, encourage the leadership teams of churches through prayer summits, through accountability groups, and and through many different avenues of, of support. Our trustees stepped up to the plate and began to pray every week for every pastor in their association. That has been going on now for over three years. Our trustees are are working hard to try to connect with every pastor in their association once a month by way of a phone call or by contact through email, and they have been faithfully working hard to meet that goal. Not only that, but we began to to ask the question, how do we support churches in the developing of men, men that would uh, own the responsibility of living like a New Testament deacon, understanding what does it mean to enter into that servant role to where men are equipped to serve the body of christ in such a healthy way that it makes a difference in the families of the church in the children of the church and so therefore we found ourselves working hard at developing equipping retreats and equipping curriculums for next generation uh... deacons and leadership on that level Well as important as all of that was and as important as and 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 as much time as we put into that that was not the most important focus in these last years in the office at CB Northwest the most important thing that we have put our shoulder to is this process of trying to understand and to articulate an identity that would give us a direction towards the future in other words what are we for as opposed to what are we against in other words an identity that would cause us to be able to sit down with a church that's looking for a family of churches to join or with a pastor who's looking to deci- is, is trying to decide whether he's going to pastor one of our CB churches. And we could articulate clearly who we are as conservative Baptists in the Northwest. And therefore, we began a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage to try to define our identity. And so therefore, uh, a, a year ago at Sun River, we basically put in front of you a timeline that we would follow, that has led us to this, this, these two days together um, here at Skamania Lodge. As we think about that process, we've, we've been on this timeline, and the timeline is there in front of you, but I think it's important for us to understand some things about the timeline. The first thing you need to understand is that, that uh, the trustee board, Uh, took the work of the doctrinal task force and the structural task force on the national level, and they gathered that information, and that became their starting point for developing the identity in the Northwest. And out of discussion and debate, they came up with what we call the first draft. The first draft then went to two uh, theologians who helped us in the process, Gary Brashears and Bruce Ware. And we would kick that to them, and we'd ask them to comment on that and to help us to understand what it is we just did to that piece of work. And, and they would give us comment back, and, and that would go before the trustees. And finally, when we got that first draft done, we took it on the road. And when we took it on the road, we went to uh, four, uh, excuse me, six focus meetings around the Northwest. So we asked our trustees to invite pastors and, and people in their area to come and to critique that first draft. So, we went out on the road into uh, all of the areas of the Northwest and we asked guys to critique it, to, to tear it apart, to, uh, to criticize it, to do whatever they needed to do to help us understand what the issues were. And then we asked them to help us fix it. And so the rule became if you're going to criticize, you got to fix. Okay? Don't just tell us it stinks, but tell us how to make it smell better. And so all of a sudden, we began to get. Uh, uh, emails. We began to get suggestions. People began to jump into the process. And that critique and that speaking into the process, all of that information went back to our trustees. They processed all of that information together. They then created what was the second draft and they kicked that to the theologians because anytime you fix part A, guess what? you run the risk of wiping out part B and and so they became kind of our comptrollers in the process and and it went to them and then back to the trustees until we finally came up with that uh, uh, that next draft and then we hit the road toughest year of my life toughest year of my life 21 health clinics uh, around the Northwest in a three-month period of time my whole team hit the road trustees came uh... they invited all of the pastors and any of the lay leaders who could come and we asked them to understand the process understand the document and then begin to give us critique many many people took advantage of that process many people spoke in right at the health clinics others sent us emails and and letters of things that they thought that we could do better or say better Uh, that would help to make it a better document. Over 400 people spoke into the identity document. Over 1,000 pieces of correspondence came in and through our office that the trustees considered before they developed what was called the final draft. And we are absolutely 100% sure as trustees that it's far from perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's made by men with feet of clay. It is the best job that we could do in the time and the process that we had. And therefore, we kick to you what we call the final draft. The final draft is what we're going to be working on here as we vote together. And that's where we're at on that timeline. We're at Skamania and we're here to provisionally adopt the final draft and what does that mean for us this is what it means it means that it puts on the table something very tangible that we get to discuss we get to work on and we get to try to improve in this next year it gives us something where we're not going to be debating or discussing a concept or an idea or a potential we're going to actually discuss we may even debate we are going to try to implement and to create systems that will help us to live in covenant community we're gonna work hard this year at moving it from what it is to what it needs to be and if we can get there the next year a year from now we will ratify that which it is that God develops amongst us from this foundation So we got a decision that we have to make. It's really important you understand the decision you're gonna to make tomorrow. Hopefully you've come having already know, already knowing what you're gonna to vote tomorrow. But it's important to know that a yes vote simply means this, that I believe that the direction is the right direction to pursue this next year. Second, that not only do I think it's the right direction to pursue, but I'm going to give it the old college try. Thirdly, that I do not think it's fundamentally flawed, but that by good effort and good energy and good critique and good work, it could become that which we need it to be for articulating our identity for the future. That's what a yes vote is all about. What is a no vote all about? A no vote is simply a recognition that you believe it is fundamentally flawed. It's the wrong premise. It is not a good thing to even go down this road for to go down this road would somehow lead us in an unbiblical, in an ungodly direction. Or that you may think it's the right thing to do, but you're not going to put any energy to it. It's so low on your priority screen that you're not going to enter in. You are not going to work at it. Those would be great reasons to vote no. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how to say this any clearer than what I'm about to say and you're going to have to trust that this is true from your trustees we are not asking you to vote yes simply because we have led this process we are asking you to vote yes if that's what you believe God wants us to put our shoulder to this next year and if it is not what God wants us to put our shoulder to we want you to vote no because we only care about one thing at this point in this conference and that is that we hear the mind of Christ on this issue. If Christ does not want us to go down this road, I will be the first one to say I don't want to go down this road. I am confident that God knows where he wants to go. Amen? I am also confident that there are many times when I heard him wrong. If we did not hear the mind of God, we don't want to go down this road. We don't need a fight. We don't need a debate. We don't need to wax eloquent at this point. If we're going to discuss it, if we're going to debate it, if we're going to try to live it, then that's going to come this next year, if this is the direction we should go. If this is not the direction we should go, then who wants to waste their time debating it? Who wants to spend the effort in trying to discuss it? And so therefore, we care about one thing, and that's to hear the mind of the Lord. And we believe that we will hear it by what you people decide to do tomorrow. And that will be fine. That will be okay. Wow. Wasn't that fun? How many of you want my job? Uh-huh. This evening as we think about all of that, um, it's really important that we just stop for a minute and and we just be really really honest. If you're a leader, this this evening in in this room if, if you've been someone who's been responsible for leading a major change in your church maybe it's you, you're the guy that had to lead into a building project or maybe you're the one who took the front in a constitutional change in your church or maybe you were a part of one who led your church to a a, a decision to change location um, If you're a leader and you have had the privilege of trying to lead to the point of change, then you kind of know how I'm feeling tonight. Amen? I'm a little anxious about tomorrow. Okay, I'm not so anxious whether it's yes or no. I'm just anxious to get it over with. Been there? You know what I'm talking about? I really can't wait for tomorrow to be over with. (laughs) Yeah? But think with me for just a moment. Will God speak tomorrow? Yeah, he will. Do we know what he'll say? I don't. I don't. Is he the head of his church? Yeah, he is. Are we desperately dependent upon him tonight? I think so. He will accomplish his will. Amen? He will build his church regardless of what we decide tomorrow on the identity document. God is completely free to exercise his sovereign will. And no matter what happens tomorrow, it'll be a point of new beginning for all of us. Does that pretty well summarize the situation? I think so. In other words, I think God's got us right where he wants us. We gotta wait on God. We're gonna wait on God. So what do you think God wants from us tonight? There's nothing we can do about tomorrow. So what does he want from us tonight? If God were to speak tonight and say, this is what I want from my people, what would he want? I love what the Hebrew writer said. And without, what's the word? Faith. It's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he, what? Is. What does God want from us tonight? He wants us to recognize that he is God. He wants us to see him. He wants us to realize it isn't about us. It isn't about me and my leadership. It isn't about the trustees and their leadership. It's not even about you. It's about what God wants to do in and through us as we discover anew and afresh, even tonight, that he is our God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a what? What? ...rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced of this tonight. That no matter what happens in the decision tomorrow... ...that we will receive God's reward. Because I believe that the trustees... ...and many, many of you... ...have honestly participated together... ...trying to find the mind of Christ for the Northwest Conservative Baptists. Many of you have spoken in, many of you have prayed, many of you have sought him hard, and many of you are on opposite sides of the decision. But God says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So tonight, as we look at our God, the first thing that we want to understand is that what he wants from us tonight is hope so if you have your Bible turn with me to the book of Ephesians and what is it that we put our hope in as we look at the book of Ephesians we come to the third chapter a chapter that I'm sure you are all very familiar with and that is one of those chapters that just thrills our hearts one of the beautiful truths that we see in Ephesians chapter 3 is this idea that both the Gentile and the Jew will be fellow heirs of the same body that they will be partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. In other words, that God is going to bring those who were divided together in unity under the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then Paul goes down and he gives us the purpose of the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ as it is revealed. And he says in verse 10, to this intent, or for this purpose, or for this reason, to the intent that now... The manifold wisdom of God might be made known. How? By the, what's the word? Church. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he, the Father, accomplished in his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is God and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. When we seek Him with all of our heart, as the church of Jesus Christ, we declare the wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers of the angelic order. And what do they do with that information? They praise God they praise God therefore we recognize that everything that the church is to be about is for the purpose of bringing glory to our God so what does God want from us tonight he wants us to have hope he wants us to have hope in his church that his church will be that very Bride that will cause the world to see that he is a God of wisdom that goes beyond comprehension, a God whose wisdom, when it is put forth, it even astounds the principalities in the angelic world. So Paul then declares, for this reason, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory that you would be strengthened with might through his spirit. Do you see the trinity? Do you see the, the trinity of God being expounded here by the apostle Paul as he gives us this passage of scripture? Through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Hope, hope. It's been kind of a tough year. Some people would say that it's uh, been kind of a year of trials. The scriptures tell us, exalt in your tribulation. Amen? Knowing that tribulation brings about what? Perseverance. And perseverance, what? Proven character. And proven character, what? Hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Why? because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit of promise. In other words, as God begins to well in us an understanding of his manifold wisdom, as we walk by faith, as we begin to see and to love as he sees and he loves, then all of a sudden what begins to happen is the borders get pushed out. We begin to see a broader and a deeper and a higher God than we could have ever imagined or thought. Therefore, Paul ends the letter ends the chapter by, with these words. He says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory where? In the church. In the church. There it is again. That to him would be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to my generation. Amen. No. To what? All generations. Not just to my generation, but to all generations. Wow. We got to pass it on. The manifold wisdom of God gets displayed when the mature understand that it's not about them it's about who we pass it to it's not what I want it's what the next generation needs so that they might grow in wisdom and knowledge that they might experience the width and the depth and the height of our Lord in such a way that they would be filled up to all the fullness of God and therefore Be ready to take it to who? The next generation. Until Jesus comes. What does God want from us tonight? I think he wants us to have hope. That he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could imagine or think. Now let me ask you a question. Would you say that we as conservative Baptists here in the Northwest are lighting it up beyond imagination. Think about it. When people look at us as conservative baptists around the world, do they just go wow? God's lighting it up through those people. They are seeing people saved. They are seeing churches planted. They are seeing the next generation of leadership empowered. God is doing beyond what we could have ever imagined. Is that us? Or do we have maybe some room to light it up a little hotter? Is there anybody in your neighborhood that needs Jesus? Is there any young men that need to be mentored? Any communities that you know that could use a church? What could God do through the conservative Baptists? Hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Why? Because the love of God is poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit of promise. Second, what does God want from us tonight? Not only does he want us to have hope, but he wants us to have unity. Amen? We've got to preserve the unity. We have to preserve the unity. You can't manufacture it, but you can sure destroy it. And so, therefore, we are going to preserve the unity tonight. We want to be a people who understand what Paul says in Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do everything we can in our power as the leadership of this conference to make sure that that passage of Scripture is kept in front of us in our behavior. We are going to walk in unity. We are gonna walk in lowliness of mind. We are going to regard one another as Christ has told us to. Tomorrow, some of you are thinking that you want to get up on the floor and make speeches or to put forth your opinion about the direction. It's not gonna happen we've talked about it for a year we've had a process to preserve unity we're going to give some instruction in our caucus meetings and then you're gonna vote and we're going to receive the results of that vote and we're going to act on that we will either act on it positively for the next year Or if it doesn't pass, we will then go back to our knees and we'll say, God, where do we go from here? But we will walk together. We will be careful in how we communicate to one another. We are not going to have another 20-year cycle of conservative Baptist fights on the floor. Third, we need to remember who our God is tonight. We need hope tonight. We need to preserve the unity, but we need to remember who our God is. Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is what? One God. And this God manifests Himself in what? Three persons. God the God the and God the Spirit. Three persons. One God. One in nature, one in essence. It would be inconceivable. For us to try to understand a holy father that's disconnected from his son. Amen? It would be inconceivable to think that the son could live in holiness and fullness of attribute apart from his father. And so forth with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the relational integrity of the Godhead Himself compels us to walk in unity, to walk in hope, and to walk in oneness. Christians have long affirmed that there is one and only one God. Yet there are also three equal, eternal, and individual personal expressions of the one, undivided, and eternal nature of God. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each fully God each equally God, each possessing fully the one undivided divine nature. Yet each person of the Godhead is different in role and position, in relationship to each other. Yet there is also full harmony in their work. With no jealousy, no bitterness, no strife, or no discord. Clearly, when we behold the Trinity for what it is, we stand amazed and astonished at the unity and the harmony of their common work in and through their authority-submission relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an authority submission process. It's been painful. Amen? How many of you really enjoyed the messenger process this year? It was tough. We haven't done messengers for years. We haven't even followed our own constitutional process for years. And yet that is the authority structure which we set up for making decisions. And the trustee said, enough is enough. We're going to follow our own rules, even if it kills us. And that was pretty close to true. Do you realize it tipped 51% of our churches to get a quorum here to even be able to vote tomorrow? Our best recollection, we haven't had a quorum in our business meetings for over 12 years. Could be 15, for all we know. Praise God, we've got a quorum here. Wouldn't you have all loved to have come here, and we would have just had a a suggestion? Couldn't vote because we didn't have a quorum. But we've got a quorum to the glory of God. The trustees are going to exercise their authority by submitting to the authority structure that God has put into place. Did you hear me? The trustees are going to exercise their authority by submitting to the authority structure that has been put in place by those who founded us in our constitutional documents and our bylaws. It took my office five months to unearth all of the constitutional and bylaw processes that impact this very meeting. If it wasn't for a guy like Dave Payne who has volunteered his time to do all of the research necessary to find the rules that we're supposed to follow, we couldn't have even done this. Why are we doing it? Because it's a reflection of who our God is. A God who has authority and a God who acts in submission to one another based upon their roles at the proper time and in the proper way. Who is our God? He is clearly one who when he is looked at is amazing. Harmony. Harmony. The beauty between two parts being played together on the same sheet of music that gives us a beautiful sound. Lastly, what does God want from us tonight? He wants us to have hope. He wants us to be in unity. He wants us to recognize Who he is. And I believe he wants us to worship him. As we wait upon the Lord. Tonight. I pray that our strength will be renewed. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, but the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Ladies and gentlemen, I take my hat off to you. As our office and the trustees seek to support and to serve the churches of the Northwest, some days we do it really, really well, some days we don't, but you, you, the church, you're on the front lines. You're the ones who are out there every single day mixing it up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and a dying world. Some of you are here and you are weary and you are tired. You've worked hard. Some of you have come just to be refreshed. There are actually a few people who came up and said vote What vote? In some ways, I praise God for them. (laughs) But we wanna see the conservative Baptist churches sense what Isaiah declared. We wanna see our churches Mount up with wings like eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. As we conclude our time in this section and we move to worship and as Doug comes, I just want to try to illustrate this point from a personal circumstance in my life that happened to me many, many years ago my wife and I had the privilege of leading a team of college students to the country of Italy to work in the earthquake zone of Italy to build houses for people who lost their homes in the earthquake and as we took that what was then called MOP team today they're called Delta teams as we took that team and we worked with a missionary by the name of Bill Portis in the country of Italy we we spent that summer with a bunch of young bodies working hard, young men just getting after it, serving their Lord. When the summer was over and the work was done that we could do we jumped on a train and we headed across Europe headed back going back to to London. And We got into the country of Switzerland and uh, we decided to spend the night on the edge of Lake Luzerne. So we all just laid down on the the shore there to spend the night sleeping that night and it started to pour down rain. So we ran and we went inside of a little outdoor cafe that had a thatched roof and there we laid on the floor of that cafe. And that was a Saturday night heading into the Sunday morning and early in the morning the owner of that cafe came in and he was not pleased with us sleeping on his floor and so he booted us out and it was about five o'clock in the morning and one of the team members said hey aren't we close to Labrie so we got out our little map and our train schedule and we figured out if we caught a train that we could get to Labrie for church that Sunday morning as we got on the train and we entered into the city there where the school that Francis Schaeffer had put forth was located we had a little latte in the in the Swiss Alps and then we went over for church we listened to the word being expounded there that morning and a bunch of college-age kids sitting around just worshiping Jesus Christ And as we looked across the the hall there there was Francis Schaeffer sitting on the other side of the hall I thought, man, wouldn't it be nice to, to meet Francis Schaeffer? But as I thought about it, my wife went and did it. She just headed right across, and she went and introduced herself and introduced our team to Francis Schaefer. And he said this to us. He said, I heard about you. You're that team that came from, from the Northwest to build houses for people who lost their home in the earthquake. Would you like to have lunch at our house today? So we went to Francis Schaeffer's house, and there we sat down to have lunch in his home. And he had one rule, and that was that there would only be one conversation around the table, and it would be with him. So everybody focused in on that one conversation with Francis Schaefer. For a young man, I was, I think, 20 years old at that time. Man, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. To sit and to listen to Francis Schaeffer talk about the world and the need for Jesus Christ to redeem broken relationships. Oh, baby. That was good. We got back on that train and we headed across Europe. We went then across the channel and then we came into London. And when we got to London, there was an airplane strike and we couldn't fly out of London. And so Bill Portis had made it possible for our whole team to stay with a Christian film producer. So that night, he took us on the train into London, put us on a double-decker red bus. We went through London. We went to a place called Carver's, where you could eat all you wanted. And those young men ate and ate and ate. And then he said, I'd like to take you to the premiere of a movie tonight. So we went into the downtown old theater in London, and there we watched the premiere showing of Chariots of Fire. Ladies and gentlemen, that was beyond all that I could imagine or think. It set the course. That when God, when God wants to reveal himself, when God wants to reward you, he can do so in ways that you could have never imagined or ever thought. It has been my prayer as your general director for these five years. That you, the church, would experience the fullness of God's reward because your hearts are so pliable towards him. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, tonight I pray for the church of the Northwest. I pray as I bend my knee before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named that he Father would grant to these churches according to the riches of his glory that they would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. God, I would pray that Christ would dwell in the churches of the Northwest's hearts through faith. That they would be rooted and grounded in love. And that they would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Oh God, that they would be filled full with all the fullness of God. God, that's my prayer for your church, the church of the Northwest. And I ask this in the precious name of the one who shed his blood to make it all possible. Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.